Hello and welcome to The Dirt Debates in association with Gifts to You. I'm Laura, editor of Grow Your Own magazine, and in this episode we will be discussing the pros and cons of feeding versus not feeding plants. To help me delve into this interesting topic, I'm joined again by my brilliant co-host for the series, Ellen Mary. Hello, Ellen. Hello there. How are you? Very good. Not sure how I feel about these dark evenings, though. Oh, I know. It makes such a difference to the day. It just shortens the day, doesn't it? And if you've finished work and you want to go outside into the garden or the allotment, you've lost some hours because it's darker. But we do have the, the morning light now. So, you know, if we can haul ourselves out of bed, we can get some garden time in before work. <laughs> get that early morning breeze on your face and get outside in the garden, <laughs> even if you've got to put your coat on over your pyjamas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what we will be talking about this week, as you know, is feeding or not feeding your plants. Mm-hmm. Now, I think this might seem like it's going to be a fairly one-way street in that we all know that feeding is good practice, but we do have the feeding plants versus feeding the soil. We do have, I mean, and I'm saying this for myself here, people <laughs> who try to feed but are not at all religious with the timings or the routines of their feeding. <laughs> so, um Are you a good plant feeder? Okay, I can definitely tell you I am not a good plant feeder. Mm -hmm. I am a good soil feeder, though. Yes. Uh, So, you know, and also houseplants. So I do feed my houseplants throughout spring and summer. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to anything outside, I'm I'm not. I I mean, I just don't. I rarely do it, to be honest. And uh, I just but I do because I'm no dig. And I know we've had the discussion on the podcast before, haven't we, about uh, dig versus no dig. Yeah, I am a no digger. And so I kind of fertilize the soil, if you like, naturally with um, homemade compost or, um, you know, other well rotted uh, organic matter. Yeah. And that feeds the soil enough for my crops and garden to grow perfectly well. Mm. So for me, I'm, I don't really feed, but then of course you've always got the pots and containers discussion to have as well, because they do need, they do need feeding, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'm not so good at that. Yeah. I think as well, it's a really difficult one because I, will admit to being an absolute sucker for anything new and organic that comes onto the market that's got incredible claims but is going to be beneficial to the whole the whole biodiversity and ecosystem of your garden and I'm just awful at getting into routines I have to admit like I love my garden but my garden very much fits into my life rather than me structuring everything around garden routines, if that makes sense. Oh, it completely makes sense. Like once once you start feeding, you you have to kind of have a plan, don't you? Do it weekly, do it every two weeks mm. or whatever plants, you know, need feeding at certain times of year. Uh, I don't have, I'm the same as you, Laura. I don't have that routine or regularity with it or I just don't think about it so much Mm, (laughs) but you know we do obviously plants need uh, sunlight they need moisture and they need nutrients so if if you have a soil that's uh, you know depleted 
of the nutrients that the plants need in order to grow, then a plant food, plant feed is is going to really, really help that. Yeah, yeah. And I think that again, um, feeds back in to to, sorry um, to what you were saying about feeding the soil in that it feels kind of counterproductive to have not fed the soil and then feed the plant because the thing that the plant is actually living in is the soil that's where it will be taking its nutrients from and it just it feels like a much more sort of it feels like an approach right from the very start, whereas sometimes I think you might look at, say, your tomato plant and think, oh, that looks a bit sad. Maybe I should give it a feed. Completely. <laughs> like if they're in pots, like we just said, or containers or hanging baskets, then that's a whole different matter. But when it comes to the soil, at the end of the day, the soil is there um, to give life, you know, to all of the plants. Like it's got, it should have everything that it needs in order to feed your plants as long as you're replenishing it and, and growing in it properly. So yeah, it's funny when we say, oh, a plant feed, a plant food or a plant feed, because actually really it's all about the soil, yeah. you know, it's, that's where life kind of begins. So, you know, when we were talking about the no dig and dig approach, that's, you know, I, I cover my allotment and garden with a a mulch once a year Mm. uh, basically and that feeds the soil and so I've never had to feed any of my plants because the soil is where it's all at Mm. yeah you know so yeah it's I think obviously there's many situations though where feeding is relevant you know perhaps you've just taken on a new garden or allotment and the soil's not very good and Mm. you want to get things going um you know looking after our soil is the most important thing but I do get that you know feeding plants is is going to be necessary in many many cases if you can remember to do it regularly (laughs) yeah absolutely and so obviously this is not the case now that you're a no dig gardener but had you ever had um I'm reluctant to use the term problematic soil but had you ever had any really depleted soil before or soil that you really struggled to grow in um well the first allotment I ever had the previous owner had had a huge big chicken run on it Mm. and then they used to park their car next to that and that was basically the whole allotment they barely cultivated the soil at all so it was extremely compacted Mm. um, and part of it was very 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 heavy and quite stony as well so it did take quite a, a well I say quite a few probably into the third year this was long before I even knew what no dig was mm-hmm. and my stepdad and myself we shared the allotment we rotivated it and every spring every autumn we were digging in well rotted manure at the time um, and it did help it did help to replenish the soil and um, but one year which I think was the end of the second year I use cover crops and I don't ask me what I use, but something like mustard, I'm not sure. Mm. Um, And then obviously before they flower, you dig them back into the soil and that also helps to improve the structure and uh, replenish some nutrients. And I thought that worked really, really well. So it was another good way, Mm. you know, of feeding the soil. So yeah, I have had my troubles with soil before. Mm. I think I'm very lucky on my allotment now where actually it had been cultivated before I even took it on. So it's, it's, it's a very sandy soil, but just putting a layer of um, well-rotted organic matter on top of it mm. um, and leaving it over the winter months for the rain and the worms to take that down into the soil and 
feed it. Um, that's all I have to do. And everything grows really, really well. So I've had both ends of the scale, definitely. <laughs> yeah, it definitely sounds like there's a preferable end of the scale. <laughs> uh, there's definitely a preferable end of the scale. But I, what I will say is after we'd been rotivating and adding in loads of uh, uh, manure, when it came to growing plants, I did still have to feed them for that, that first one or two years. Mm. Um, and I was using like natural foods, so yes. comfrey and nettle feed, yeah. because, well, basically we had tons of nettles. There was just tons of them mm-hmm. and um, I thought that was a really good way of replenishing the soil feeding the plants by the soil and such like so um, yeah there's loads of ways basically of feeding your plants via the soil because mm-hmm. that's what's happening really um, you know to to keep them to keep them thriving they don't have to be fertilizers off the shelf yeah. although I know that there's many available and and many organic ones as well now too mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think as well that can be handy um, looking at my own growing situation, for example, um, if you completely disregard the fact I said I don't feed my plants. um, (laughs) would love to do the comfrey feeds and the nettle feeds and things. Realistically, my garden is small, so I would have to go somewhere else with the begging bowl for people's comfrey or... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> be one of the people walking along with a carrier bag harvesting nettles along <laughs> along my evening walk swearing because you've been stung everywhere as well probably <laughs> um so I think that's kind of where some of the organic feeds come into their own in that yeah. if you have quite a small space and you just need to put a little bottle of something that you know isn't going to damage the environment or any of your other plants or any wildlife or anything then yeah that can be handy. I think so too. I mean, there's always going to be a situation, you know, where you're growing in a small space or even on a balcony or you just don't have access to things like you said, comfrey or nettle feed or whatever else and just look out for the organic ones. It can be quite complicated as well. Some things say they're organic, but perhaps they're not actually associated with the organic society. So always check for the label. Um, But yeah, I mean, there's, there's loads of things available on the market now to do that. So there's always the option to to feed via you know a a bottle of something rather than stinging your hands harvesting stinging nettles (laughs) and I think that's a really really important point you raise about the make sure you check the label really well because um I remember speaking with Charles Dowding a while ago and he was saying that the um certification around organic things in gardening is a lot less strict than it is in food so you do just have to be that much more careful that you know go go with things that are approved by tried and trusted gardening organizations isn't that interesting actually Uh, Charles is has such a wealth of knowledge doesn't he and Mm -hmm. he always looks at things so logically which is really great when you think about it Obviously, it's regulated more strictly when it comes to food. But at the end of the day, we're growing food 
in soil to eat so what's the difference it should be regulated just the same shouldn't it but you'll usually see like the little circle um either soil association approved or organic certified approvals Mm -hmm. you know on the packaging so yeah just keep a check out for those um and be sure they're good for wildlife and also pets and children as well don't forget you know if you've got dogs or cats or kids running around make sure that whatever you're using is a good all round Absolutely, because I can certainly speak from my pets that as soon as any plant or anything exists, if you don't want them to be chewing it, they're going to be chewing it. So (laughs) just prepare for that. Make sure whatever they're chewing is going to be fine for them. Well, Laura, I have something to tell you, okay? Yes. We have uh, just uh, adopted a puppy about four weeks ago. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So I haven't had a puppy for 20 years, and I forgot. Got what it was like. A, I'm exhausted, which I realise sounds completely crazy to anyone who has children, but I am exhausted. And also, I completely haven't, for years and years, even considered what plants or, you know, in my garden or my balcony where I am at the moment are toxic to pets. I literally, because I haven't had a, a pet for so long. Anyway, along comes our uh, our little mini Bernadoodle called Dolly, and um, I keep finding her eating the leaves, and so I'm suddenly starting to panic now about all of the plants, and I'm googling which are toxic for pets and not. Um, but that also comes to everything that you use, like you said in your pots as well. Yeah, you need to make sure you know if you've got pets that anything you're applying to pots, containers, or your garden beds and borders you know are uh, even lawn feed for example you need to make sure that that's going to be completely safe yeah. so it's, this is a very good reminder for me to do that <laughs> <laughs> I also feel like I speak on behalf of myself and I'm sure all of the listeners when I say when we post on social media about this episode going out can you please reply with pictures of the puppy <laughs> yeah just I'm happy to do that with every post here's my puppy here's my puppy (laughs) I've become that person now where my phone was full of thousands and thousands of plant photos but now puppy photos are catching up (laughs) (laughs) your plants will be getting jealous they will be I think they're getting a bit annoyed at being knocked over but yeah (laughs) it'll just make them more hardy won't it (laughs) it will I think they will live together just fine (laughs) yeah um so bringing you back to what you were saying about um feeding crops in pots obviously when you're growing in pots one of the biggest challenges is keeping the growing medium the right amount of moist that probably Mm. was a weird way of saying it but you know what I mean Um, (laughs) okay (laughs) um, and making sure that it's got the right nutrients and everything so what would you say your biggest tips for growing in pots So, I mean, I've got a balcony here where I am now. Everything is in pots. They dry out so, so quickly. So you do generally, if it's uh, warm, need to be watering them almost every day. So what I tend to do is put a mulch on top of the pot. So um, each each early spring, I replenish the top layer of compost with something, you know, again, well rotted. It could be home compost. It might be a bit of leaf mulch. It could just be, um, you know, anything that you choose to use. Give that a good mulch and that helps to retain some of the moisture. Um, and I actually use a seaweed fertilizer 
on my pots here or seaweed feed completely organic <laughs> and I think that really really helps um so I do that spring all throughout summer once a week and then of course you stop feeding as the plants are going dormant and it's getting colder from autumn over winter time um but generally it's and things will get repotted probably every couple of years depending on what it is that's growing in the pot um so yeah there's actually a bit of maintenance when it comes to container garden it is obviously not like having a garden but sometimes it's quite surprising how much more there is to do Mm. Um, I always find things flower much quicker so you're deadheading quickly like quite a lot all of the time to keep them flowering so you do have to keep on top of it Um, and I know like in some composts you get the uh, slow release fertilizers that kind of thing Um, so when you're potting up you could get something like that and there's also um, the Uh, the feed that you can just add in later and kind of mix in with the soil like slow release fertilizer again I actually don't know how good they are for the environment or not I'm assuming you can get organic one organic feed in that respect as well Mm -hmm. Um, but for me I use seaweed and all my pots are thriving it's the second year now I've been doing that so yeah just kind of keeping on top of it layer of mulch watering very frequently deadheading all of the time Mm. and um and feeding once a week yeah well I think we should have a look at what some of our social media followers have been saying about this as well and we've had some really interesting feedback um on our Facebook for example Alan Dutton has said at this time of year as each of my beds is cleared, a good couple of inches of manure is spread on them. Then come planting or sowing. I gently hoe in the top few inches. A sprinkle of grow more is hoed in as well. I don't use fish blood and bone any longer as I have foxes that visit my garden and they dig down looking for the source of the smell. <laughs> Throughout the growing season, I'm a big fan of tomato fertilizer on everything. That's a really great point about the foxes. That is. I hadn't even thought of that. No, like... Yeah, this, I don't use fish, blood and bone. I don't use manure because I don't use any animal products in my garden at mm-hmm. all. So um, I can't really say I've ever encountered anything like that before. But that's a very good point. The the smell, I guess, must be very attractive to wild animals. Yeah. Um, yeah, and you don't want that to happen, definitely, because... A, they'll probably make everything smell way more because fox yeah. poop on the allotment, let's face it, is absolutely oh, disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> and that definitely doesn't feed your soil, that's for sure. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's interesting. And um, and then was it the – what did, did he say, the grow more? Did he say he used – yeah. yeah. Yeah, okay. So I think when we're feeding, you know, tomatoes and I don't know cucumbers aubergines chilies that kind of thing especially if they're growing in your greenhouse in containers then you're definitely going to be needing to use something on those you know throughout the growing season as well so yeah um and then we also have a comment from don't crop me now great name yeah um saying we feed the soil ideally not the plants Good, well-rotted compost or manure encouraging the biodiversity of the soil means healthy plants. However, I do use a sprinkle of chicken manure pellets occasionally if I'm putting in second crops later in the season, on winter brassicas mainly. For veg in pots, I think feeding can make a real difference, but would question whether this is because it's difficult for a good balance of soil life to establish. This is especially a problem if sterilised mediums are used. I've had really good success um 
And we've had a comment from John Staple saying, I'm surprised how much difference feed makes. Spoke to Lucy Chamberlain about it at Gardener's World Live and it instantly made a difference, especially with peat free. Oh, no, that's interesting, isn't it? Um, I can't say that I, I mean, I garden with peat free compost uh, and no dig. And as I said, I do feed containers. Mm. But I haven't myself noticed the desperate need to feed more because I use peat free. So I, it would be very interesting to know if peat free compost does require more feed, you know, mm. scientifically, if you like, is that researched? Mm. That would be quite interesting uh, to find out. So, yeah, yeah it's a, something to look out for. Yeah, and it, I think as well, um, as more and more peat free products are coming onto the market all the time, I guess we have to assume that as with any product coming to the market, you would hope that things are improving all the time anyway. Yeah. Um, so I think there's a lot of, I, I certainly know a few years ago, there was a lot of um, concern around whether the peat-free growing medium was going to be um, good enough. But I think now there's enough of a selection on the market and some of them, you know, they're really great products as well, aren't they? I completely agree. And I think it's really like any other product. And in comparison, you know, peat free uh, to uh, compost that do include peat, some are good and some are not so good. It would be the same, you know, whether if you're using a peat free compost. So hopefully more and more are getting better and they're getting the balance right in those compost bags mm. because us gardeners need to be using peat free, of course. Um, but we also need to be able to grow stuff <laughs> so mm, I think absolutely. you know hopefully you know the products coming on the market are better I've not really found any to be terrible um, I know I picked up one or two different brands that haven't worked out so well mm -hmm. but then that's the same as with the more traditional compost with peat so but I'm very yeah. interested to know whether peat-free compost need feeding more that would be interesting yeah. to find out yeah, absolutely. Mm. Um, and Nicola Barclay says um, that she uses comfrey mix, homegrown compost and chicken manure pellets. So I think we're seeing quite a, mm. quite a pattern here that people yeah. tend to be tend to be thinking along the similar lines as, um, as what we were saying. And the poll results, these were taken from Instagram, is 59% of people feed and 41% don't. Hmm. Now, having read the comments yeah. and having had our discussion, I'm now wondering if no feeding is the people that are feeding at the start of the season, feeding the soil. Yes. <laughs> and if be, any of those people are falling into feed as well. So it might not be, yeah. it might not be <laughs> statistically means a huge amount. But <laughs> there we go. It might not. It might be that the 41% all do no dig. You know, and so yeah, yeah, you you don't need to feed the plants so much. I don't know. I think there's definitely uh, I think every garden is different. Every gardener is different. Every plant is different. And I think as long as you are open to feeding if you need to, you know, like we said, especially pots and containers, or just trying to mulch your um, beds instead of feeding them 
unnecessarily do you know what I mean just looking after the soil absolutely I think that's the main thing really um and really by the looks of Instagram it seems like everyone's doing all right to me because this year everyone's produce has been incredible (laughs) oh I know hasn't it and such a such a variety as well I think um it's you know as as we keep saying I think in some ways it's been a strange season but actually it looks like a lot of people have got a lot of a lot of great crops out of it. Absolutely, completely. It's been really great to see as well. Um, so that was another really interesting discussion, and there's definitely a lot to take away and research after <laughs> after that um, <laughs> that last comment. Um, and we will be back again next week for the final episode in this current series. So, Ellen, see you next week, and until next time, happy growing. The Dirt Debates is brought to you in association with Gifts to You, the home of the UK's best specialist magazines. Discover a huge range of magazine subscription and single issue favourites for every hobby and interest, from knitting, sewing and paper craft to health, well-being, food and, of course, gardening and everything in between. With free delivery straight to your door included with every purchase, Gifts to You is your one-stop shop for unbeatable value. Visit giftstoyou.com to find out more. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast for free to make sure you never miss an episode. We'd love it if you'd rate and review wherever you get your podcasts and don't forget to spread the word at your allotment site, community garden or even just over the garden fence. Plus, as a special treat, we've got an exclusive Grow Your Own magazine offer just for the Dirt listeners. Head to growfruitandveg.co.uk forward slash pod G, that's P-O-D-G, or call 0800 904 7000 and quote pod G to receive three issues of Grow Your Own straight to your door for just £6. That's a saving of $11.97 or 67% off the cover price. Every issue is packed with gardening advice, expert tips and tricks and jobs to tick off your list. And each magazine comes with some great free gifts too. Check out the episode notes for details and terms.